Hello, welcome to session 11 of the Bebop Rewatch podcast. My name is Jason. I'm the host of the show, as you know by now. And I'm not joined this evening, unfortunately, by the Russian kid, aka Rich Kid. He couldn't make it. Um, but we do have a very special guest with us, a friend of the show, a guy who's been around here before and you know he's just a, a super swell guy to have around that's jed shepherd jed welcome to the show again man thank you for coming back thank, on board with us thank you for having me um as your new co-host of the cowboy <laughs> yeah. rewatch <laughs> <laughs> yeah rich is sacked don't worry he, he ain't coming back this is sacked yeah yeah he'll be rustling angrily in the background no i'm not <laughs> I'm not sad. <laughs> we talking about? <laughs> no, it's really good to be back, and um, mm. it's good that this podcast is around because it, it makes me literally rewatch one of the best TV shows of all of all time, which is uh, Cowboy Bebop, and like I loved watching this episode so much. Yeah, man, this this episode was was amazing. And for those of you who are joining us for the first time, welcome. Um, what we do here, as as Jed said, is basically we're rewatching the greatest anime show of all time, Cowboy Bebop. And you can at me with that if you want. Like, I don't care because it is the greatest, and there's nothing you can tell me to think otherwise. Um, but as said, week by week, what we do here is we go by a different episode or session, as they're referred to um within the show and we break it down we talk about what happened we talk about the things we liked maybe some things that didn't work for us and then we go through a bit of trivia as well um behind the episode so if you've been watching along with us we're talking about session 11 today which is called toys in the attic um and it's a really really quality episode i mean i know we always say that but um Man, this episode is so good on so many different levels. Um, and of course, there's a reason why we've got Jed in today as well. And it's not just because um, he's a swell guy, as said, but also <laughs> because, you know, Jed is um, somebody who works in the horror movie industry, uh, is a script writer, has written um, quite a few scripts that have been produced. He recently had um, a short film produced as well called Salt, which I'm sure all of you have seen because we talked about it before as well. If you haven't, make sure you Google Salt and go and check that out. It's amazing. Um, but Jed <laughs> has got a lot of experience horror and he's a horror fan so and because this yeah. episode kind of leans quite heavily into into sort of horror elements we thought it'd be a good idea to get a guy who knows what he's talking about on, yeah. on board so yeah jed we can't wait to get to your thoughts and stuff on that um but in general <laughs> yeah. i mean what did you make of the episode overall i mean i know at the top you said you loved it yeah um, well, i, I actually think yeah I, I think this is my favorite episode actually um mm -hmm. i might need to rewatch the, the whole thing again to to kind of make sure for certain that this is but i think this is almost like a standalone episode it doesn't really tie in with too much of the other episodes around it i think um mm. i loved it it felt very very cinematic um and just just overall it is now my favorite episode of the uh, cowboy bebop um, mm. so yeah mm. generally absolutely loved it Mm, yeah it is it is amazing and you're quite right it's quite a standalone episode this one um it doesn't quite um as you say tie into the wider sort of narrative up to that point of of what's yeah. happened with the characters it's it's very much his own thing and it's interesting how the series as a whole does that because there are a few episodes in there where it, it um they're almost these kind of self-contained episodes where they have their own beginning middle and end and they're not really designed to necessarily service 
um, the wider narrative. They're just there yeah. because, you know, the creators felt like, let's have some fun with this episode. Yeah. Um, but it works, you know, um, yeah. whereas sometimes with TV shows that, that can be a little bit jarring depending on the type of, you know, wider story that you know, they're trying to tell. But but yeah. with this, it works really, really well. You know? And one thing before, before we start, I definitely have mm. to say that I think this episode takes a lot of inspiration from a couple of sources. One, oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> the, the film Alien or Aliens, uh, mm. the, definitely from the Alien franchise, um, yeah. but also from Red Dwarf. I, I'm, I'm pretty certain that mm. um, when they made this, they looked at a couple of episodes of Red Dwarf where very similar things happen. In fact, it's some of it, I would say, is shot for shot exactly like the Red Dwarf episode Polymorph. Now, I don't right. know if you remember the Red Dwarf episode Polymorph, which is season three of Red Dwarf, mm. um, but very, very, very similar from, from the start to the finish. Um, so I, I, I think there was a little bit of, uh, of uh, inspiration there, Red Dwarf. Hmm. Could be, you know. I mean, I, I don't remember that episode. I kind of vaguely remember that episode. Now, now you mention it, but I don't remember a lot of the details about that that episode of Red Dwarf. Um, but that wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me. That really yeah. wouldn't surprise me because the series as a whole, and as you listeners will know, you know, because we've talked about it previously, um, the series as a whole takes a lot of inspiration from from lots of different. Uh, sources. Some of them are sometimes Japanese sources. Sometimes they're American pop culture references. Sometimes there's different things from around the world that they've picked up. So yeah, it, it may not be a coincidence that it, it feels very similar. Yeah. Um, because we we know they do, you know, pay attention to a lot of, of things that are happening in pop culture. So yeah, it'd be interesting to look up what year that episode came out and to see, you know, when um, uh, time one came- when that happened. This one came out, the original air date in, uh, I think in Japan, was January 2nd, 1999. Actually, that mm-hmm. might be the American air date. So yeah, so the start of 1999, mm-hmm. um, and the Red Wolf episode would have come out like 89, 1990. There's enough distance there for it to have happened, yeah. So Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one's called Toys in the Attic as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I haven't quite figured out why it's called Toys in the Attic. Mm. Um, obviously, the location of a certain piece of kitchen furniture is located <laughs> in in the attic, which we find out later. But the toys, the toys element, I'm, I'm not 100 sure. Unless Toys in the Attic is a is a phrase that I, I just don't know. Well, it's interesting. I mean, we'll we'll certainly get to um, some of the trivia and and the behind the scenes info a bit later on in the podcast. But it's interesting because a lot of the names of of some of the episodes actually come from uh, music, and particularly from specific albums and things like that. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a reference to some kind of um, album or or track or something. But, so um, um, Aerosmith's uh, big albums from the seventies is called Toys in the Attic. Right, right, right. Well, so then that probably, that probably is it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and also I've just seen that um, Toys in the Attic is a euphemism for insanity. Ah. So it, okay. So yeah, if mm. you've got Toys in the Attic, it means that you're insane, mm. which is quite interesting. Yeah, I've never heard that phrase. Before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. 
Okay, well, cool. Well, listeners, you know what we're about to do right now. We're going to dive into the details of the episode and such. So I said, if you haven't seen session 11 yet, turn this off, go and watch session 11, and then come back and listen, because we're obviously going to be talking spoilers here as well. Okay, so um, the episode, Jed, I mean, I, I like the way that this episode starts, because you, so do I, yeah. the, you mentioned at the top about the um, influence of, of kind of alien and aliens mm -hmm. um, episode as a whole. Um, but this was, was quite different. I mean, I was trying to remember if if in maybe Ridley Scott's alien there was um, specific POV shots. I think there were, but I, I can't place them. So maybe you can help me kind of place yeah. where they play. So, um, so there's definitely shots, POV shots in uh, Aliens, so in, in the sequel to Alien, so mm. James Cameron's Aliens, where there's similar running through corridors and stuff. Um, mm. But the, but the what I notice about the... Because um, there's parts where you, you're seeing it from the creature's point of view, but you're seeing it in, like, heat vision. So you're seeing it in the red-yellow kind of heat vision mode. Yeah. Um, and people normally associate that with Predator. Mm. Um, but Predator actually took it from this 80s uh, werewolf movie called... Um, what's it called again? Uh, Wolfen. There's a film called Wolfen, which is a real classic, underrated um, 80s werewolf movie. Mm -hmm. and, and they were first to do um, uh, point of view from, from a creature's point of view and do the, the red heat seeking view. Um, but it's mostly closely associated with uh, Predator, I guess. So they've kind of melded Alien and, and Predator, which of course becomes its own movie a bit later on. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in, into this, into their mythology here, and I think it works really well because, like, you really do think you're scrambling around the ship through like mm. small doors and past pipes and stuff. Um, yeah, it takes on that journey. Yeah, I really did like the the introduction as well. So the the episode begins um, with a, a POV shot, um, and we don't really get to see what the what point of view we're, we're looking at i guess is is the best way to describe it it's just we know there's something that is moving through uh the, what looks like the air conditioning of the ship of the bebop and um it makes this that they use really good sound effects as well because this cut this kind of squelchy squelchy noise which kind of gets your skin tingling a little bit because you're like oh what is that you know gross did um, you think it was iron yeah. at first did you think it was like iron at first no, I didn't. Funnily yeah. enough, I, I I kind of felt it was something quite malevolent because uh, I guess because of the, the use of the color red from the POV. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, although I suppose it would make sense for iron because the dogs being color blind, it you know yeah. it might have made some sense there. But but um but yeah, no, I just always got the feeling it was something creepy and a bit untoward. And also when it started chasing the the rat in the corridor yeah. as well. Um, yeah, that made me think. Oh, okay, like we're we're in for something here. <laughs> um, so yeah, we get that very creepy uh, kind of opening shot, which really does set the tone for the whole episode. Um, and then we go progress from there, and we see that you know the the crew of the bounty are busy doing various things. Um, yeah. Spike is is 
barbecuing like kebabs i think it is some kind of kebabs he's trying to cook with a, a yeah. flamethrower because uh, he's spike because <laughs> yeah. you know, why 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 could why just cook the kebabs when i can flamethrow them <laughs> like, it just made no sense um jet and Faye, i think are gambling yeah what's going on there what is going on how did <laughs> how did jet manage to convince Faye or the other way around to play this strip poker or strip gambling game well, I'm... the thing is, as well, at, at this point in the story, Jet knows that Faye is a cheat, like yeah. because that was established fairly early on, you know, in, yeah. in the series, that, that Faye uh-huh. cheats at all of these games. She always cheats. That's how she always wins, because she cheats. Uh, <laughs> but, like, for some reason, he seemed to think he could beat her. I, I don't know yeah. why. And then, obviously, it's, it's revealed very early on that she's got a device around her leg that's kind of manipulating um, these dice that they're yeah. rolling. Um, yeah. So that he never he never wins to the point where she manages to force him down to his underwear, and then he's got to lose his underwear as well. I love that <laughs> so shot. It's just... I love that shot yeah. where where Jet's underwear like floats through the air and like yeah. he lands on Spike. <laughs> yeah, Spike comes through the door with his his kebabs and his burnt out kebabs, by the way, and he's just like, "What the hell's going on here? Why is there underwear floating all around the place?" Um, and I think Ed and I are both asleep at that point as well. So they're both yeah. kind of knocked out and, and sort of sleeping. Mm. Um, then uh, they they kind of get disturbed by a noise um, that they hear, which wakes up Ayn. Yeah. Um, and he looks up at the, the vent and starts kind of like growling and stuff. Um, yeah. Jet gets up and he goes uh, to the attic, which is like where they, they have a whole load of stuff in, in storage on the Bebop. And he goes up there to go and get um, like a blanket to wrap himself in. Uh, and then there is, you, you kind of see that whilst he's looking at um, an old fridge that they have back there in storage, you kind of see something kind of zipping, zooming around and, and kind of zipping around. You can't really tell exactly what it is at that point. Yeah. Um, definitely something there. Um Faye is, is kind of then sitting on the couch and she's got like, Spike, she's got like a like a Tech Nine machine gun and and all <laughs> kinds of stuff from Jet. Like, it's just crazy the amount of stuff she's got. She's yeah. in there with her horde, um, and then Spike obviously calls her out about her cheating and the fact that um you know she basically didn't didn't play fair with with Jet. Um, do you think Jet? Do you think Jet knew this all along? Do you think Jet knew he would lose, but just wanted to get kind of like naked? <laughs> like, it's just internet kind of thing. It feels like he knew what was what was happening. He's just like, oh, mm. fair enough. Like he was into it. Maybe, maybe in an odd sort of way he was. I, yeah. I don't know, but I mean, he he um, Jay is very much a, a character because you know, last week the the episode we looked at last week was kind of focused on on him and his past yeah, his and backstory, yeah. kind of how he he kind of manages um his emotions and and his feelings and. He he seems like a guy who's very kind of um, he when he's up he's up and he's jovial and he's happy but when he's down he's really depressed and he's down and he's melancholy and he you know he really kind of goes for these kind of extreme sort of highs and lows almost yeah. um, and we kind of theorized previously on that episode that maybe he he for he suffers from like a a form of depression and so. Um, you know, that's why he kind of has so many of these moments where he just kind of is very, very, as I said, very, very low. And, and what you find sometimes with people like that is when they're um, 
when they're given to those kind of lows, they're also kind of given to, to really doing crazy stuff just to kind of pull themselves back yeah. out of whatever it is they're into. So, yeah, you might be onto something there in a sense that he may have just done it because it's just like, well, sod it. You know, yeah. I, I need to get out of this funk I'm in. Let me just do some crazy shit. Let me try and play Fayette cards. It'll probably give me an excuse to do something wild that will lift yeah. me up. Feeling, so. And to be honest, like, if, if you're in if you're in space for a considerable amount of time and nothing is happening, there's you would do that too. You you think of ways to entertain yourself. And this mm. is another reason why I think I closely associate this episode with certain episodes of Red Dwarf because they're three in Red Dwarf. The crew are three million years into deep space. They have got, they haven't got a sausage to do, so they're just making up games as they go along. They're playing strip poker with, with each other. These like space bombs. Um, they're doing stuff like that. There's little creatures running around the ship. Um, and this whole setup is very, very, very Red Dwarf to me. It's entire mm. setup. Mm. Uh, which, which is good because I'm a big Red Dwarf fan. So um, I, I appreciated that this was uh, similar. Um, but yeah, Phaser, Fa- Stone Cold uh, Chi. Like. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Faye definitely takes no prisoners when it comes to. Well, she takes no prisoners in her life full stop, but, but especially when it comes to gambling. As said, we've already established that Faye is somebody who will do whatever it is that is needed in order for her to come out on top. So if that means cheating her friends, if that means cheating people she cares about, she don't care. Like, she's going to do it. Um, so yes, yeah, admonishes her a little bit for that. Yeah, I'm very keen to see uh, the representation of Faye Valentine in the um, Carol Bebop live action Netflix show. I'm, I'm very, very keen to see mm. Pinada, who's, who's playing Faye. I'm very keen to see what she does with her. If she can manage to portray her in the way that she should be, which is kind of ruthless to, to a certain extent, but also. Um, she has loads of issues. She has loads of stuff going oh, on. Oh, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Hmm. She's actually from our time as well. She's like from now. She is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's lots. I mean, um, Jed's slightly jumping ahead here, but there's there's lots to come um, in this series that will explain a lot about Faye because Faye is, is, I mean, we've touched on it slightly in some of the previous episodes and some of the previous episodes do kind of give you hints. But um, yeah, there, there's a lot more. Than, than BCI, um, many many things. Um, as Jed said, there's a there's a lot going on there. So yeah, we'll, yeah, it will be interesting to see the live action. You know what? Remind me, and we'll we'll have a little chat about the live action after this. Um, cool. After we get through this episode, and and I'll get your thoughts on that as well. Um, okay. But um, yeah, so you know, back to the episode itself. Uh, as said, Spike kind of admonishes Faye for for what she's done to to Jet. She's effectively ripped him off. Um, but before it goes any further, there's an alarm that goes off um, on the ship and, and they kind of rush towards um, the attic to the storage room um, where they find uh, Jet is there. And he seems to be in a bit of an odd state and he's rambling a little bit and he's talking about something bit him. Um, so they're, they're like, you know, what, what bit you? And he doesn't know. Mm. And then one of the boxes comes a rat that runs out and you know, Faye is just like, oh, for God's sake, you called us up here because you got bit by a rat and then walks <laughs> off. Um, and then he, you know, he's like to Spike, Spike, don't leave me. Like, you know, I, I got bitten by something. I know it. I feel it. You know, I, I got bitten by something. And um, uh, Spike kind of pauses for a moment and then um, kind of says, well, you know, I don't 
I don't think, frankly, I don't think there's anything to worry about. Yeah. Um, and he says, well, look, it, you know, it came from the old fridge, like from the, the old fridge that we've got in the back. Um, and then uh, Spike kind of says, well, I don't remember the, the fridge. I don't even know what you're talking about. And then just kind of moves into it. Um, Spike and Jet are kind of back in, in the main room now when uh, Spike is trying to come up with uh, a medicine for Jet to take for his bike. Mm-hmm. And there's all kinds of crazy stuff that they're giving him. <laughs> like, I think it's yeah. like, it's like purple, medicine. isn't it? It's like mm. a big purple kind of bruise almost, but it's like, it looks, it looks sore. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So they give, um, you know, the spike is recommending that he drinks like, um, like a, a squashed up lizard or something like that. I think yeah. it is. And, <laughs> and a dead scorpion and all kind of crazy stuff. And, and Faye kind of rightly comes around and is like, what the hell are you doing? Like, <laughs> this thing thinks, like, what on earth you're going to drink that? Um, mm-hmm. So basically, yeah, Jet ends up drinking this stuff. Um, and then he passes out. And then yeah. it's as he passed out that you realise he's got this massive purple bruise on the back of his neck, which is where yeah. he, he's, kind of, um, he's kind of been bitten. And... Um, mm-hmm. After that, you know, they they try and figure out like why he's gone down. So um, Spike takes kind of a, a sample of, of Jet's blood and is trying to work out what the poison in his in is is in his body because there's clearly a, a poison there. Uh, but they're having no luck. They're coming up with kind of no matches on this computer at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it, it's. Yeah, kind of is is awake now, and um, it's, there's a funny scene where Spike is kind of going through these different diseases, and, yeah. and Jet is like, "Oh God," and then he's like, "No, no, no, don't <laughs> go around." He's like, "Oh, thank goodness," and then he says, yeah. "Oh, maybe Ola," and then he's like, "Oh yeah. God," and then he's like, "No, it doesn't match that either." And he's like, "Oh," it's <laughs> funny because like in Japan at the time in like the end like the late 90s early 2000s there was like an Ebola kind of crisis there so yeah um, I was going to bring that up as well yeah, yeah. there was wasn't there yeah yeah I and remember cause I, yeah because there was a, there was a few horror films from around that time as well uh, surround Japanese horror films about Ebola um, I actually uh, watched one the other day and it was called uh, I've got it here it was called Ebola Syndrome which is like quite a famous um Japanese, it's from 1996, a Japanese mm. horror film that is, that is gross, beyond mm. gross, in fact. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's funny that just the border keeps coming up in Japanese pop culture mm. around this time. Yeah, it's um, it, they had uh, an outbreak there. I can't remember what exactly caused the, the outbreak in Japan back then, but yeah, they did have like a mini Ebola outbreak, and I remember it did inspire a lot of a, a lot of body horror um, from yeah. Japan at that time. Um, so yeah, that that that's definitely something to take a look at, listeners, as well. If you're into kind of Japanese horror and, and things like that, then um, check that out. Yeah, Ebola syndrome is, is worth, a, worth a look, definitely. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're still kind of struggling to work it out uh, what the poison is. Um, Spike kind of theorizes that maybe it's some kind of mutant rat that's bitten him um, and is giving him the poison, which Faye kind of laughs off. Um, Ed suggests, suggests that maybe it's some kind of alien organism that has bitten him. Um, and Spike kind of dismisses that theory out of hand. Um, and then Phage is just like, both of you are crazy and, and kind of walks off and, and leaves it at that. Mm-hmm. 
then we get a really, really cool scene and a, definitely a classic horror scene, which is um, Faye is, is in the bath um, and we get a kind of POV shot of, of um, whatever it is that's crawling through these air vents and it stops just above her bath and then kind of just drops down. Yeah. And it, the kind of fudding noises it drops and so that obviously wakes up Faye but when she looks around she can't see anything and um but it kind of reminded me a lot of like kind of the blob um yeah and, and also I think Sliver as well yeah that's, that's a good show actually there is a bath scene yeah I think Sliver does have a bath scene of that yeah. kind of uh type as well that where that's yeah. featured I mean, so, women um, in bath in in horror films in general is, yeah. is quite a big trope. Like it's in Nightmare on Elm Street with now. Yeah, I was going to say yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street uh, as well. Freddie sticks his glove up between her legs, and mm. uh, it's also because like that's when we are our most vulnerable as well. So mm. to have something horrific like that happen just amplifies it. Um, and also, this is a good excuse, obviously, because a lot of people, guys, watch this and they're watching to see three kind of get a little bit naked so <laughs> it's very very clever of them to try and like put it into a horror scene pretending that it was it's like vital to the plot that she's in the bath mm -hmm. uh, but yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> this seems to be fun. <laughs> yeah yeah but no i mean that that's a great point that that um you raise about the vulnerability because um that i guess you know that, that's where the fear comes from isn't it because if there's one thing that we we don't like is to be made to feel vulnerable um and you know and that's what good horror does it always makes us feel it strips away our, our comfort zones and makes us feel you know uncomfortable and, and feel vulnerable and exposed and um yeah that's what this scene does really well actually um so Faye kind of as I said tries to look around to see what has dropped down but she can't see anything um and then fatally she kind of leaves her leg dangling outside of the the bath um we then get another scene where it, it cuts back to spike um and ed and they've kind of put together um these kind of goggles i guess to try and view um whatever it is that that is stalking them on the ship yeah. and um that reminded me as well jed of quite a few horror films i mean i'm sure there's probably a couple of references you can think of but so it was um, yeah, when they were um, put, building the goggles to, to oh, put yeah. on the goggles and stuff, it, it kind of reminded me a bit of like Predator Two. It reminded me a bit of Alien. It reminded me a bit of. Um, uh, do you remember that that Peter Weller um, kind of sci-fi horror film? I think it was called yeah, Screamers. Uh, Is it Screamers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, that, yeah it reminded me of classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Screamers, man. Screamers. Yeah, they made like five or six of those movies. It's like they, they're still really? making those movies, but just no one ever sees it. But like every now and again, I see it like just yeah. pop up on the DVD shelf, like at the bottom. Like they made Scanner Six, not Scanner Six, uh, Screamers Six. Um, but Peter Weller's only in the in, in the first one. Mm, um, mm. But yeah, it's it did remind me of that. Actually, you're right. And all those kind of like '90s sci-fi horrors where the budgets yeah. are, but the ideas are big. Um, yeah. Um, and yeah, and yeah. I love I love stuff like this. I love it when a, a team is trapped somewhere because mm. they're in space. They, they, they go nowhere. They go nowhere. 
if some people are just trapped on the ship with them, they've got to just use what's around them, use the tools they've got at hand, the little things they can like scrap together, the bits of metal to, to kind of make something to like fight this force that's trying to trying to kill them. I love stuff like this. It's classic classic horror tropes. Yeah, yeah, totally. There's always that MacGyver scene, uh, I guess you could call it, where they, you know, where, as you said, they, they kind of, um, you know, the heroes have got to use their ingenuity and, and the, the whatever resources are around them in order to defend themselves for, um, yeah. from whatever it is that's attacking them. And, and as you said, it's it's classic horror and it always makes for, for good watching, you know? Yeah. Um, but have yeah, you, I mean, you, in this case... Have you, have you watched the film The Nun, the, the most recent one that came out? No, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it, it's not great. It yeah, like, just, I heard the reviews weren't good. Yeah, it isn't great, but you reminded me of it. Just the fact that they're trapped in this building with this nun, and it just so happens the one thing that can kill the nun is hanging around the main character's neck just the whole time. You just think, oh, come on. Come on. Who wow, really? really? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's bad. But um, Oh, my God. They really didn't try, did they? <laughs> no, no. It, it was bad. Um, it made a hell of a lot of money, but still, it, had to, it was bad. Um, but, yeah, no, like, this is definitely, like, 100%. It's literally a horror film. This this episode of it is, is horror. And mm. There's no two ways about it. Whereas some episodes are, like, blatant westerns, uh, blatant, like, high-concept sci-fi. This is a horror, like, at its core. Mm, mm, no doubt no doubt no doubt um so yeah you know they as said spike and ed are, are trying out this equipment that they've put together um and i think at one point spike puts on his goggles and sees like a kind of blob kind of dashing across the floor mm-hmm. but kind of shrugs his shoulders and like his oh maybe it's just the equipment <laughs> uh, but then he comes out of the bath and she's kind of freaking out and going, oh, what do you think will happen if the creature bites you? You know, what, what do you think it would do? And Spike says, I don't know. And then Faye kind of does her, her melodramatic kind of thing that she does so well, where she's like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. I'm too young to die. And then she just kind of passes out. And then um, yeah. you see that she's got the same kind of purple mark on her leg that, that Jed's got, um, Jet has got on his neck. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, it, that was kind of a funny scene, and I quite like that again. Yeah. Because, um, it, it kind of shows um, Faye's character and, and how she's kind of given to um, sort of like hyperbole one minute and then <laughs> extremely dismissive of things the next. But um, you know, it, it, it was it was fun to, to watch that. So, so now we're down basically to um, Ed, Ayn, and, and Spike as the only ones who haven't been attacked yet by. Mm-hmm. Um, force um and then the next scene kind of brings us to ed and ayn who are kind of exploring in the ship um ed is kind of doing some kind of narration thing because throughout the the episode that they keep um, referring to so each character kind of has a monologue where they um describe a lesson that they've learned um during the course of of the episode uh why did they do that I'm not sure. I'll, I'll have to look that up in a bit. But um, when it, it came to Ed... any other episodes, does it? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Hmm. Um, I think they just did for this episode. Right. 
but when it comes to Ed one, Ed's one, it's it's just hilarious because Ed just like typically makes no sense at all. It's just something about like so Ed is out and Ed is wandering the ship because we got to look for the space monster or something like that, and it's just like what? <laughs> what? Yeah, what kind of lessons are? What, what is that? Yeah, what what are we learning here? I I don't understand, <laughs> but it's just typical Ed in in terms of that's how she kind of expresses herself, really. Yeah. Um, but Ayn and Ed get separated. Um, again, another classic horror trope. Yeah. Um, and then Spike hears uh, Ayn crying out and, and kind of runs to him and he finds Ayn has been passed out on, on his side and has got a purple mark on it. Um, Spike this is, is a still great wearing... scene, by the way. Such yeah, a good scene. And, um, you know, he picks up Ayn and then he turns around and then with the heat vision goggles, he can see the creature kind of slivering sort of across the hallway and then it starts to shoot off towards him so he manages to grab iron and then run and just about escapes by kind of climbing um down the ladder yeah just before the the species or the blob gets him but um yeah jed you were saying it's a great scene i mean it it, it was the way that it was sort of framed right that that made it yeah Because it was like it's really claustrophobic, which is another great thing to do in horror. Like make it as claustrophobic as possible. And he's looking, like he's looking for the. He comes across the dog, and obviously that hit, hits you in the heart straight away. And then you've got you've got this something's coming towards you. You can see it on your radar that's coming towards you, but you but you want to save that dog because there might be a chance to like save it. So you grab it, and he's got he's got iron in his arms, and he's running, and the thing's coming for him. It's so dramatic. Will he get down the ladder in time? Um, and I just loved it. It was like really built up the tension, and it reminded me very, very much of obviously Aliens and similar things in Aliens, where they see the aliens, they can't see the aliens at first because the aliens are in the shadows, but yeah. then we see, we know that's coming closer and closer and closer, and there is not a lot of time to act. In, in that moment, you could, you could see um, uh, that that spikes a hero basically by by um, going and, and saving Ayn and and uh, essentially yeah being the hero and, and kind of getting away. Mm, mm. Yeah. So um, it's, as Jed said, you know, this is a, a really great scene and and it's classic. Again, it's kind of classic um, horror in terms of the way that the scene is played out and um it just works really really well i mean the the animators who who put this together did an incredible job um and one of the things i actually like that i was meant to mention and i i forgot um and i'm sure you noticed this as well jed is um one the kind of use of camera angles because it's it's the whole episode is is framed as said like a horror movie there's loads of shots of kind of um characters being shot from the back um behind a, a piece of furniture and things like that so almost like you're peeking on the characters like something is, is stalking them um there's loads of, of kind of uh moments of silence where it's just sound effects um there's no background music whereas you know bebop is, is famous just as famous for his music as it is for its plot and and its animation Very true, yeah. it, the music to an absolute bare minimum um, they really didn't use um, too much music at all in this episode, and um, love that. You know, yeah. And then they just let let the 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 emotion and and the action like speak for itself. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's a good shout. I didn't even really notice that. 
Mm. Yeah, they really just kind of allowed the the scenes to to play out the way that they wanted them to play out, and and yeah. not, um, as I said, try to add too much background music, which normally they do because normally the music plays a big part in um, Cowboy Bebop and, and a big part in the individual episodes. But with this one, yeah, as I said, they they kept that music down to the minimum, which was mm. added to the atmosphere really, um, yeah, added to the whole creep. Yeah. So um, we get to a point now where Ian is down, Ed is missing, um, and Jet and Faye are down. So it's basically down to Spike now to try and sort this thing out. Um, so he decides the only way to do this is to go to war. So again, this reminded me of um, a bit of Aliens with Sigourney Weaver. Very much so. Yeah. The, the flamethrower to the um, uh, the pulse rifle, and it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not. I'm done now. That that totally was that scene when when yeah. Spike is too, and then weirdly he kind of picks up like I think it's a fencing sword that he picked. <laughs> yeah. He was using his uh, barbecue for his um for his kebabs and that. So yeah. like, that's so random. Like he's got this, he's got like this flamethrower. He's got his garden. He's got this kind of um uh net the his net gun and then he's got like this this sword in his hand for some odd reason. Um so he decides to go on on the search for it. Um yeah. this thing is and um as said it's all kind of classic uh alien stuff from there. He, he's kind of searching the corridors, he's calling out um for Ed as well who at this yeah. point is still missing. Um mm-hmm. and then he, there's a certain point where he actually encounters the um, the being for the first time, yeah. um, and it's and I think initially again it's done through the heat vision goggles, um, so that we see it from his point of view, mm-hmm. and then um, oh well no there's a, there's a really good fake out before that isn't there because there's um, he's walking down the corridor and then you see this dark liquid dropping, and somebody yeah, yeah. on his shoulder and and he's like uh, and you're thinking oh shit here it is yeah. and then you look up realizes it's just a bit of oil coming oil yeah yeah or something that's uh, great yeah really which is cool <laughs> and then he goes to light his cigarette and that's when the creature drops behind him and starts attacking him and again that just reminded me of so many like kind of creature stalker horror films that, that i've seen over the years i, I really yeah, like yeah. enjoyed that <laughs> so that was awesome so that begins kind of the battle between him and the creature now so he tries um using the net uh but it manages to dodge the the weaponized net um he then decides that he's going to switch to the the flamethrower um and he manages to kind of scorch the the creature via the flamethrower um then as he scorches it he realizes that the the smell smells familiar um and then that Jet talked to him about the fridge and, and something, you know, coming from the fridge. And that's when you get the reveal of the episode. And it's so funny because it's like, it's weird. <laughs> They've spent all this episode building, playing up the tension and the horror and the seriousness of it. Yeah. And then this 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 really stupid ending where it's like, oh yeah, yeah. I had a lobster in there and I left it in the in the fridge to get moldy for a year. And See, so- this happened- <laughs> See, this happens. This happens in Red Dwarf. In Red Dwarf, Lister leaves a um, like a curry, like and, and over like a million, the three million years he's he's been like in stasis, it grows into a monster basically. Right. Um, right. So I'd be very surprised if this isn't influenced by that episode of Red Dwarf. But um, no, I loved it, and I loved I loved it when he um, 
he he goes to that goes to that fridge and he opens it and his the look on his face. <laughs> mm. Oh man, that that like was creepy as hell. I mean, you know, <laughs> me and Rich were talking about that this morning. So um, so yeah, basically he, he Spike remembers that he'd taken this uh, Ganymede rock lobster a year ago and yeah. hid it in the old fridge because he didn't want anybody else to eat it, but he forgot about it. Um, so he goes up to the fridge in the attic. Um, and then you get this brilliant kind of shot where he kind of slowly opens it and you don't really like fully see it the inside at first. You just kind yeah. of his reaction to it and his face is like, it's, it's like the animators again have done such a good job, job with <laughs> yeah. this because he you can literally see the horror and the disgust on his face. Yeah. And then shot is you get to see the inside of the fridge and my God, I, I yeah. feel sick. I, I you, only, you don't see all of it. No, yeah. no, you don't. Yeah. yeah, but you kind of imagine you imagine in your head what you've seen. But mm. like, if you watch it again, you probably only see like a few seconds of like a, a hint of like some testicle, not testicles, tentacles. Sorry, mm. <laughs> and uh, just like, well, there might well have been testicles in there for the state been, of yeah. it all. Like, crikey, yeah. <laughs> it's just slime. But you yeah. never really get to see it in full. All you're seeing no. is the reaction of Spike's yeah. face, and and, mm. and that, that's enough. That's enough for terror. Yeah, um, yeah. And it, yeah. it it's it's kind of fungusy. I mean, it, it, as Jed said, you you kind of get a glimpse of like a kind of fungus, um, and it's there's very mucusy and, and wet, and it just is horrible, like really horrible. And then, because you don't see all of it, um, I guess your mind kind of fills in the blanks because we, we all, I guess, we all can kind of picture you know gone off food or, or something like that and it's not pleasant you know we we've all been there we've all <laughs> been there and when we put in you know chinese and then forgot about it for a week and it's like oh that's not good no more um yeah. but if this is so it's our, our own kind of subconscious fills in the gaps in that scene and and that's what makes the scene so great it shows you that kind of sometimes you know less is more and you can kind of get away with you can still get the right effect from the audience um, oh, yeah. without necessarily having to show them everything. You can show yeah. them a bit and let them fill in the, you know, do the rest for you, which generally you will because that's, you know, that's human nature and that's just exactly. how our minds work. There's, there's nothing more scary than, than like the unknown and also the inside of your own brain. Like that's why in like Steven Spielberg, when he made Jaws, you don't, you don't see that. You don't see that the whole of the shark until the end. You're just mm -hmm. seeing there and your mind is making up the rest of it um mm. it's with the very first alien with, with alien um the original you you didn't you don't see that the alien until the end you're just seeing little bits mm. here and but in your mind you've already like decided like what this creature looks like um and i love mm. that i love mm. imagination just runs away with itself yeah exactly exactly so um yeah you know that that scene was really well done so basically realizing that this is where this this creature must have come from and and gathering that he needs to get rid of it spike kind of um switches off the uh gravity inside the b-bop and he starts to push the the fridge towards the air block and yeah this was really great a really really great scene as well um again it kind of evoked a lot of um the original alien for me and and kind of how um ripley deals with with the alien in those final scenes which is getting ready to blow it out the airlock um it, it kind of felt a lot like that to me but the way that again that they managed to animate this scene is just so impressive you really amazing 
weightlessness of, of everything in it. You know, it's really, really well done. And you, you're 100% right. It really fit, you can really feel the weightlessness because you see, it doesn't only show you like the, the main action going on, it shows you what's going on in the other parts of the ship, like the, the sick the sick people like mm. rising off, off their beds because the gravity is being turned off. And the bit that like I thought was the, the best animated bit was when the fridge hits a wall and bounces off the wall and, and comes back. And I thought, wow, like they didn't have to do that, but like they did. It's it's just so well animated and um you can really feel the physics of 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 this particular scene. And mm. yeah, that, that spike might get sucked out when he opens up the airlock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it does. They, they they've done a terrific job, and the attention to detail in that in that scene as well is what's so impressive. You know, really, really good. But um, yeah, Spike is trying to to get rid of the fridge, and then um, the creature actually kind of reanimates and and comes back to life again. Um, so you you see him again. There's another really well uh, kind of tensioned scene and, and well paced scene where. Um, Spike is trying to kind of get the airlock open and you can see the creature kind of coming for him as well. Um, and he manages to kind of just about get the airlock open. Um, but the, the creature attacks him and gets him on the arm. So he loses kind of grip and um, then he's trying to avoid getting sucked out and he just about manages to hold on um, uh, the inside of the ship as the fridge gets blown out. Uh, and then as it gets blown out, the fridge door kind of opens and you see kind of like this kind of sparkles and, and stars coming out. And there's a um, Tchaikovsky song that plays as well, The Waltz of the Flowers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that plays as this thing is kind of spinning through space. Letting it was beautiful. Yeah, these, these sparkles. And it was just surreal because it was, yeah. just, again, like for, for what had come, come before, it, it just was completely unexpected to then have a scene like that in there. Um, so again, it just makes me think they let the, the writers and animators go wild on this episode, and we're just like, you know, yeah. what? Because, <laughs> so yeah, sparkles, it just... mm. like I know it was pretty to look at, but did you? I thought it might might be the the the, the thing in the fridge, the fridge monster mm. being um, like pollinating and spreading its seed everywhere in space. So like, there's more of these creatures will emerge in, in other places. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe, because yeah. because they're certainly not explicit about what it's doing. It it, it just is, yeah. you know, a pretty shot. Ultimately, there, there's no explanation yeah. given for why it's there. But um, yeah, that could that's a good theory to be honest. Who who knows? <laughs> it might be that that's exactly what was happening. That it was kind of spreading its spores around, and the spores yeah. look pretty, and that's why um, it was happening. So. So yeah, that's a good one. Good shout. So we're coming towards the end of the episode now, and this is just such a, again, such a surreal ending for this. For, oh, for Ed. We, we finally catch up with Ed, and, and you realise that actually she's just fallen asleep somewhere in the ship, and there was Brilliant. nothing wrong with her. She never disappeared. She never got attacked by the beast at all. Um, she just found somewhere to sleep and was sleeping. So she's kind of floating through the air in anti-gravity. And then you see like the kind of blob creature is is coming towards her, um, presumably to try and bite her. Um, and as it gets close, in her sleep, she kind of reaches out, grabs it, and then eats it. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, oh, I can't eat any more pudding. And then goes back to sleep. <laughs> and you're just like, huh? <laughs> yeah. And what? then like... It just kind of like it just then it just kind of shows you brief like shots of like the other crew members just like yeah. 
Yeah, they're all kind of just knocked out and passed out from their bites and stuff, and and Ed's just eaten the monster and gone back to sleep. Yeah, yeah, that's where the episode ends. It ends there. So, like, you're just kind of like, wow, okay. Do you know what? Like, maybe you can answer this question. Like, so the reason why this is very standalone, this feels more standalone than the rest, is it doesn't end with C Space Cowboy. Now, yeah, that's right. Yeah, how often does that happen? Um, not often at all in uh, throughout the series. It generally the series will always end with, with Sea Space Cowboy. I think. Yeah. Um, I'm not 100 percent sure. I'll have to look this up for um a, another discussion. But I think this is the only episode in wow. the series where they don't end with Sea Space Cowboy. Um, and even when you when you get to the the end of the episode, you know they usually have um the the kind of short trailer they play at the yeah. end to, to tell you what's coming up next and there's yeah. usually a voiceover in the voiceover on this one it's ed and ed is like it's such yeah. a shame that all the characters died oh well next week come back and then it will be cowboy and ed yay i, I, I missed that bit and, you hear like, and spike kind of jump in and like what are you talking about we're not dead like stop, stop trying okay. to drive people there's gonna be a proper episode uh... next week she loves the drama. Yeah. <laughs> Ed was giving the crew that smoke. She was like, we don't need them no more. <laughs> like, you got me now. But um, yeah, it, it just all kind all of that kind of just adds to, as you said, the standalone feel of, of the episode, really. So yeah. Yeah, it is, it is a really, really interesting, man. So um yeah, that was a fun episode. I mean, I know you said this is yeah. one of your favorites. I think for me, yeah, it's definitely one of my favorites as well. Um, and yeah. probably one of the best ones in, in the series as well because of um, how well they they um, they use their influences in the episode to, to really kind of create some tension and some drama, um, yeah. which can be a difficult thing to do, especially in anime. You know, anime, horror animes... You know, they can be fun and spectacular to watch, but there's very few of them that I've ever seen that I felt were genuinely kind of frightening and quite tense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, this one does it quite well because of, of, of how it uses its homages. But sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to, uh, yeah, going to agree with you. Um, and I think I genuinely think this, this is my favorite episode now. Um, I really like the, the pilot episode, of course, um, because when you first see the whole kind of like, what's happened to earth and you see space how beautiful it is that's mm. always impressive but this as a standalone horror episode is 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 brilliant and i love the fact that it kind of wears its influences on its sleeve like you can tell straight away okay this is aliens okay this is they love alien and they're just doing like an alien pastiche but it's more than just an alien pastiche it's, it's spinning it into the into the world of like cowboy bebop mm. um and obviously there's lo loads of other like sci-fi references and um like like every episode cowboy bebop it's partly star wars it's partly western it's partly film noir it's, but, but the, this specifically is is a, an encapsulated horror episode using all like the normal horror tropes that work, um, but just set in this universe. Um, and do you know what? Like, um, I like I'm, every time I watch an episode of Cowboy Bebop, I warm to Faye more and more and more. She like becomes more and more funny to me. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes she can just be seen as quite annoying. Like mm. sometimes she's quite annoying, but like uh, she's very playful in this episode. I, I think I, I quite like that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, 
I think this could actually be a film in itself. If if they ever make a Cowboy Bebop film, mm. like something like this with them like being chased by a monster like in space, that would kind of be cool. Yeah, 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 totally. Totally. I would I would definitely watch that as a as a standalone movie. Yeah. And um Faye, I mean, yeah, Faye it, I always say like you know, it, it, that like maybe Ed and Ian are my favorite characters, but but to be honest, I mean, Faye, I, I love Faye, I love Jet, I love Spike, and what I love about Faye is that she's so unapo- unapologetically complex. Like, the, the, you know, there's nothing that that she's ever going to do that's simple, and she doesn't care that it's not simple. It, yeah. it makes sense. That's all that matters. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what I love about Faye. Like, you know, she couldn't give a shit about what anybody else thinks. Yeah. Like, doing it, and you don't like it, tough. Like, I'm doing this because it's best for me. You know, she's always looking out for for number one. Number yeah. One. Um, and, and that's what I love about her. Like, it's, it's that I don't give a crap <laughs> attitude. Yeah. But then, as said, it's. You know, it's interesting because, uh, as said, listeners, will when we get into the series a bit more, you'll you'll learn a bit more about Faye, and you'll realise there's quite a lot of vulnerabilities underneath all of that, and there's a lot of things going on with her that um, explain kind of why she's sort of sometime-ish and you know and mood swingy and and all of that. It, 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 there's a lot that explains all of that behind her, but um, mm-hmm. yeah. She she was quite playful in this episode, and she does. Um, she's a character who's written to be um, not comic relief, but but I guess she's the one who who almost kind of gets the best lines, the best singers in terms of like, yeah. like in the show. Um, definitely has the funniest kind of one liners in, in the show and things like that. So I've got so, I've got her lesson here. I've got her lesson. She's her lesson of the show was survival of the fittest is the laws of nature. We deceive or we are deceived, thus we flourish or perish. Nothing good ever happened to me when I trusted others. That is the lesson. That yeah. is a cold hard bitch right there. That, that, <laughs> that is Faye in a nutshell, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is Faye in a nutshell. As I said, screw you, I'm doing me. Like whatever we, happens to you, tough. Yeah. Like <laughs> you deal with it. I also yeah. love that we we've got the like the the yin yang. We've got like Ed, who is like almost the opposite of Faye. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She's completely different to to Faye. Completely. Do you remember her lesson? Um, no, I don't. Her, her lesson is lesson lesson. If you see a stranger, follow him. That is her lesson. Every kids watching this. Every kids watch this show. Like, do not listen to Ed. <laughs> do not listen to Ed. That is, that is typical Ed. Typical. <laughs> like just just absolute nonsense. It's just like what what are you talking about? What that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> what are you talking about? Especially yeah, amazing. Um, I love it. Amazing. Obviously, we get Spike's lesson at the end, which is, and what was the real lesson? Don't leave things in the fridge. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> I remember that now. Yeah, very yeah. matter of fact. <laughs> Don't leave things in the fridge. Yeah. Credits. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that. 
Uh, All right, man. Well, let's head over to, um, as we do at this point in the show, to uh, Bebopopedia, which is the um, fandom site for Cowboy Bebop, the TV show. Um, If you do want to find out any more about kind of background behind episodes and stuff, it's a great resource and a great tool. So I do highly recommend it. Um, So we'll have a look here to see what we've got. So there's a couple of um, references I think we already kind of discussed yet anyway. Um, but uh, homages and references for the episode are um, the plot structure and the atmosphere of this session with an unseen alien monster attacking the crew is a homage to the 1979 movie Alien. So, yeah, we kind of touched on that. And and as I said, it, it kind of ties into a lot of other um, horror movies as well. Because I guess Alien kind of set that standard, didn't it, for kind of the unseen monster? I mean, I know obviously yeah. the did that, but that alien mm-hmm. was the one that really kind of set the the bar for um what was yeah. it with that really i think so yeah that's that's the one everyone copies basically after that mm. um the session also bears a rele- resemblance to the star trek deep space nine episode the alternative now i don't remember that episode and, I, and i'm usually a big fan of star trek deep space nine but i can't remember that. really i could never get into deep space nine it mm. just seemed they were going nowhere it's like the others they, they, they're venturing out these guys and then deep space nine they're just yeah it's, still. it's on a space station yeah <laughs> <laughs> i know i know i know but what i liked about it was kind of like the um the it, it focused a lot more on the political intrigue and and kind of um the the kind of socio-economic structure of life in space and with different races and things like that um, in a way that some of the other series touched on but didn't quite do because they were more about exploring different areas and, and exploring different cultures and things like that. Uh, but yeah, Space Nine was, was cool, man. It, I did enjoy that. Um, another piece here, it says, Jet's opening monologue begins with the word space travel log 0968, which is a reference to the beginning of all the Star Trek series that always have the captain for that particular series giving the star date in which the episode takes place. Also, mm. some of the classic bridge sounds can be heard when Spike is on the Bebop's bridge. And yeah, that's yeah. right. You can actually hear um, the the kind of, you know, that beep, beep, beep sort of yeah. that the bridge makes. Um, yeah. it, it act, they actually use that noise in this episode. <laughs> Um, the jettisoning of the container, uh, the use of waltz of the flowers, and the autopilot flying the ship while all of the passengers are incapacitated are all a homage to 2001 A Space Odyssey. Mm. Do you know uh, what else it reminded me of? Like, you'll, you'll remember hmm. this. Do you remember Ulysses 31? Oh, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, man. Yeah, one of the best theme songs. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because that ship was on, I believe it was an autopilot, and, and everyone was floating in the air, and Ulysses had to come and save the day, and mm. I can't remember what he had to do, but he was being punished by the gods, so the rest of his ship was, like, floating in the air, and he had to save them. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think this episode, for some reason, reminded me of that cartoon. Um, mm. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good shout, actually. Um, yeah, check out Ulysses uh, 31, if you're listening, folks. Um, check that out because it's a really, really good animated series. Actually, I've got so, it on DVD. Um, it's so good. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome, man. Um, <laughs> oh, here's an interesting one. So the sessions fridge monster might be a reference to the blob creature in John Carpenter's first film, Dark Star. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Trust. 
good point, actually. Um, yeah, yeah, it kind of does. Mm. Um, more, to, more to do with Alien, I think, but there is, yeah, there is some of that going on there. Mm. And I, I think John Carpenter obviously is like one of the masters of horror, so he kind mm. of established almost space horror. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Actually, I need to rewatch uh, Dark Star again. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't really remember Dark Scar to be honest. Um, yeah, yeah, it's one of his best, of... Things, but um, it's mm. decent. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah I'll check that out at some point. Um. So yeah, you heard Jed mention at the top, and he was right. The session's English title is a reference to the Aerosmith album of the same name. Yeah. Um. And also, yeah, I forgot to mention in this episode, they mentioned Route 66 as well um, when they're planning a route to Mars. Uh, route, 66, blah, sorry. Uh, route 66 is one of the first interstate roads to stretch the majority of the continental United States. So if you didn't know that, then, you know, <laughs> I'm sure most of you knew that already. Um, and then the last bit of homage is, uh, oh, apparently Spike gearing up to fight the creature is similar to a scene from Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commander. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> well, <laughs> it could well be a reference to that. But I mean, as I said, I, I yeah. think it was more, to me, it felt more like an Aliens reference, really, than... Um, yeah. But yeah, there you go. Um, okay, so there's a, a, a little bit of trivia with this one as well. Okay. Um, so the first point is the entire Bebop crew is completely fine the next episode with no symptoms. And while it's never explained how they all got better, midway through, Spike is seen setting the ship to full autopilot mode on route to Mars, so it can be presumed that Ed summoned help after landing. Ed states in the preview of the next episode that everyone died, and she is now the star of the show called Cowgirl Edward. Amazing. Um, and yeah. I'd also watch that show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like there, there is a, one of my favorite episodes that, that is coming. Um, it's it's a bit later in the series. Um, but it's one that focuses entirely on Ed and Ayn. And oh my god, this episode is so good! I can't wait I can't till we get to one of my favorite. It's called uh, Mushroom it's... Samba. Okay, I need to. I need to watch that. Yeah, I'll, I'll oh, watch it. Rest. Watch it, you're you're gonna love it, mate. It's it's yeah. amazing. I, I said I can't wait till we cover it on here because it's it's the episode that made me just absolutely fall in love with with Ed and Ayn and that team right. and that partnership because right. they work so well together. But it's yeah, it's it's hilarious. Um, and the last bit of trivia is that I don't know if you know um, the anime called Space Dandy, which is I also see, yeah, so Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, it's also directed by um, the same guy who directed Cowboy Bebop and Samurai yep. Champloo. Um, in Space Dandy, apparently in episode eight, the same fridge monster makes an appearance. No way. In the yeah. That must have, so that must be set after this then. Ah, oh, that's interesting. Mm. So now we know where the, the fridge ends up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, so um, so yeah, some deep cuts right there. But um, yeah, that's the episode, man. So um, listeners have said, uh, I mean, I uh, would urge you to go and watch uh, Toys in the Attic because it's absolutely awesome. Um, it really is. It's one of the, the best episodes in the series, as Jed said, um, for so many different reasons that we've laid out for you. So definitely make sure you go and check that one out. It is a lot of fun. Um, Jed, I mean, thanks for 
coming by i mean before we go we'll, we'll have a quick chat with you anyway i mean um we usually do a bit of bebop news but there hasn't been much in the news this week really um yeah. from bebop so i thought i'd quickly get your thoughts on the live action um adaptation that netflix is producing um which is due for release next year yeah i know we haven't had confirmations yet on of release dates i don't know if you've heard anything um, on um uh, just that it's they're going to start shooting is it the end of this year is that right right, um, right. Uh, i believe and then um it's going to be sometime in next year i guess it's going to be out mm. could even be 2020 i reckon it's going to be 2021 to be honest with all the all the uh, effects they have to do um, yeah yeah that's what i was thinking as well because uh, it's it's such a um huge undertaking in terms of how much visual effects they have to include and, and things yeah. like that and also yeah. they, they're not allowed to get this wrong because <laughs> if they can't get <laughs> they can get other stuff wrong they, they can get anything else you'd like wrong they can't get cowboy people wrong they have to get this right first time they, they mm. i think the, the thing is with the casting it's pretty good it's mm. pretty good, but much, much as I like the actress they got for Faye Valentine, it would have been cool if they got an Asian actress. It would have yeah. been cool. Mm. And uh, obviously, we've had this discussion before about who my preference would be, and um, they didn't go with that preference, mm. even though that person auditioned. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm, I trust Netflix. And I trust the, the the property of Cabo Bebop that they're going to get this right. And as long as they don't change it too much, as long as they keep to the storyline and they pick out some of the best episodes, maybe we'll see a live-action version of uh, Toys in the Attic. I, I would absolutely love that. Mm. And I think John, John Cho is... At first, I was like, no, no, he, he's too old. That Does he know martial arts? That, is he cool enough? And do, do you know what? He definitely is. I mm. think he's... I think he's perfect now. Mm. Looking mm. at it, and um, after the announcement, it's been like a, maybe a couple of months since the announcement he got announced. It's perfect. Um, he's, he's cool as you like, and the, and the good thing is he's an Asian actor that is that the Western audience don't mind because like mm. he's he's Western enough to like cross over. He's not too Asian, if you, if you know what I mean, which mm. um, might put off some people. Um, but yeah, I can't wait. But I just, I just don't, I just don't know how they're going to pull off some of these things. Because like, like I said, in the pilot episode, if they do the pilot, same pilot episode, they're going to have to create a whole universe. They're going to have to create a whole. They're going to have to show the backstory of what happened to Earth, mm. like, and just, just the kind of melting pot of like different cultures all together and stuff. And wow, I just don't, don't know how much the TV show is going to cost. I have faith though. It's Netflix. Mm. Mm. They'll, they'll, they'll do it right. Yeah. Do you do you have faith in it? Um. Yes. I mean. Um. I'm. I'm excited. Uh, as a bebop fan, uh, I'm really excited. Um. You know, this is something that uh, myself and Rich have talked about for years, and and you know, even way back when when Keanu Reeves was attached to the adaptation, and they were saying they were going to do a movie. You know, we were really excited. Um. So yeah, I am looking forward to it. I'm, my excitement got slightly tempered by the fact that Netflix doesn't have a great record with with um, live action adaptations of anime to the point where it's become an internet meme how bad they've been at it. Um, 
but at the same time, I'm I, I'm enough of a fan of, of Bebop to to give them the benefit of the doubt. And in general, Netflix does quite well with their series. So, um, you know, they're not trying to do a movie out of it. They're actually trying to do a series, which I, I, I think in hindsight is the right thing to do because, as you said, Bebop is just so dense and so huge yeah. that, um, you know, just doing a movie wouldn't really do it justice at all um, because of the amount of depth there is. So doing, a, you know, a, a series is, is the right choice absolutely for them. Um, and, you know, yeah, I, I was happy with pretty much most of the casting. Um, same as you, I, I kind of wish there was somebody else who, who they'd gone for with uh, for Faye Valentine. Um, yeah. But that, um, I think the, the actress who's been cast, Daniela Pineda, I think her name is. Um, yeah. You know, willing, again, willing to give the, the benefit of the doubt. Let, let's see, you know, um, what kind of material they, they give the character of Faye and, and how that plays out. Um, and I don't know if you heard this, but we um, talked about this last week on, on the Bebop News, but there was a yeah. fake story going around that um, Netflix were going to change Ayn's breed. Um, I heard you talk about this, yeah. Yeah. Um, that would be that would be mental. <laughs> like, yeah. There'd yeah. be riots. Naturally, people absolutely lost their shit and rightly so, yeah. Um, yeah. including me. Um, but then the the scriptwriter actually came out and said, "No, nah, that's bullshit." Um, as far as he knows, um, you know, Iron is the Welsh Corgi, and that's that. And he's been working on the project for three years. So, yeah. um, you know, he said that, that there's there's none of this husky business going on. So I was like, "All right, yeah. cool." Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm fine with that. I can kind of I'm see because huskies are like it, in like I don't know. People like huskies better than they like Welsh corgis, I guess. But um, no, they they have to. That that that'd be one cast and change that would really piss me off. Oh yeah, totally, man. totally, totally. I mean, it would just change. It would change Iron completely because the thing about Iron that that makes Iron so cool is the fact that Iron is a Welsh corgi, and yet. Yeah, he's strong. He's brave, and yet he's this tiny little dog. You know, who, yeah. who um, <laughs> on the face of it shouldn't be able to do anything. But um, as I said, he's a data dog, so he's hyper intelligent. He's you know he's all of those things. When you make that dog a husky, it kind of changes the whole dynamic. You know, if you know what I mean, it, it would be like yeah. say, you know, this little frail old lady, and and um, you know, but inside she's a badass martial artist and and, and super intelligent. You know, and then yeah. go, oh, let's make an old lady, let's make her a young woman, and it, it just changes mm-hmm. the dynamic. Again. You know, you you lose what kind of makes that that character work. Um, yeah. What do you so, What do you think about? Um, so even though I mean, I guess technically these characters are all meant to be Asian. What What do you think about them casting black actors in like? half the main parts basically so you've got um uh mustafa shakir as jet black um to be honest i think he's he's a good it, he looks the part i think mm, um mm. and obviously um uh, ed's being played by someone called oh what's her name oh basically a young a young girl of color mm. um, what do you think? What do you think about that? And do you think it's like I haven't really um, seen backlash about it, really? But I haven't really. No, I I think the reason why there hasn't been is because um, 
the creator well he wasn't necessarily the creator but certainly the the director um uh, shinichiro watanabe um yeah. was very kind of i remember an interview with him i think it was in 2012 or something like that when uh, on the anniversary and um someone asked him you know why are the characters so ethnically diverse in cowboy bebop at a time when um that wasn't necessarily commonplace in japanese anime and um he explained that he wanted the characters to be to feel like they could be anybody um so you know when you look at say ed for example ed's full name is part chinese part english part dutch part french um so there's a mix of things there um faye valentine is actually uh, a romany even though she's drawn as as um asian she actually comes is from she? the Roman background oh, yeah um okay you know, jet is is everybody knew jet was a black man even though he was drawn as a <laughs> true, true. <laughs> so, so he, he kind of you know watanabe was was very insistent that he wanted these characters to feel like they could be anyone so even though they had um you know certain designs to to the way they looked visually um the characters were portrayed and their names and their backgrounds and things like that he wanted it to be as as, as diverse as possible yeah. and that's one of the that, that bebop does beautifully well is is that it creates um each of the worlds that you kind of visit in within the series that you go to they're incredibly multicultural um you know there, there was an earlier episode that, that me and rich looked at i can't remember the episode off the top of my head but they go to um they, I think it's one of Saturn's moons that they go to. And eventually this moon is designed to look like Chinatown. And yet, mm. even though it looks like Chinatown, there's a load of people who are clearly of Mexican origin living there. And then yeah. there's, you know, there's different things like that. There's um, um, there's one of the, the, the key characters from episode two, Hakib Abdul, who, um, you know, when you look at him, looks like a seven foot tall black man. But actually, <laughs> the technology to manipulate his appearance, and he's actually a Caucasian man, but he's yeah, able yeah. to change his appearance constantly via this technology, so that he's able to hide out whilst he's doing his crimes and, and so on. So they they've always kind of strived to 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 make the characters as as ethnically flexible as, as possible. Um, yeah, so in Ed's that got kind like of like a weird name as well. Like it's like. Yeah, Ed, yeah, Ed Wong something. Yeah, there's a Chinese influence. There's French, as said. There's Dutch, yeah. um, and in Ed's case, it's because Ed's background is is so completely mixed up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, they they always were were clear on on trying to keep the the characters um, flexible. I guess is the way you would put it. Um, mm. So in, in I'm quite you know open minded about their their casting choices and, and what they've done with. Um, the actors that they've chosen. Um, although I said, I do feel in Faye's case, it, it kind of feels like maybe they could have gone with, with an Asian actress there. Uh, yeah. But she, I mean, um, she looks Asian in the, in the animation. So like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's designed, she's drawn as Asian. That's the thing. Yeah. Even though she has said she, she has this Romany history, yeah. um, this Romany background, but um but yeah, I mean, it, it looks like quite impressive. So you know, we'll we'll see yeah. how we'll see how we go from from there and and what they dish up when the series comes out. Yeah, and it's it's just going to make more people go back and watch the original animation as well, which is can only be a good thing. Mm. Um, mm. 
it's already very influential as it is. Exactly. Yeah. I think like influence will like like it'll stretch his arms out even further, and that that is only a good thing. If more people are influenced by Cowboy Bebop, then the world's going to be a better place, in my mind. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> well, that's almost a perfect note to leave it on there, Jed. Um, but yeah, before we go, man. Um, uh, yeah, could you tell us a, a little bit about what you've been kind of working on? And I mean, I know there's a lot of projects and stuff that you can't talk about right now, but um, you know, if you give the audience an idea of what you're doing. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I'm doing the two kind of like big, big shorts that I did, Dawn of the Death and Salt. Uh, they're both being turned into big Hollywood movies. So um, in the process of of sorting all that out and various different um things are happening in in hollywood right now and it's very very cool um also got a film set up with a very 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 big director out in hollywood one of my personal heroes um can't talk too much about that but it's literally like my dreams come true <laughs> so <laughs> nice um have another film set up with a big studio in europe as well um which is going to be very very exciting and weird um and then potentially some tv stuff come like happening um also a film that i directed uh called multiplex that's basically finished now um edit, i've been editing it for a million years but it's basically done now and it's looking really good um i'm also working right now the last couple of weeks i've been working with some songwriters because i'm writing a musical um oh, okay yeah but it, it, it's not quite like a normal musical it's basically like a horror sci-fi musical um like a real messed up one but with like awesome songs so i'm working with um a lady who writes for some of the big like k-pop bands oh, okay Korea. yeah she lives in in the uk and like she's written songs for some of like one of my favorite k-pop uh, bands out there and uh, just luckily she wanted to work with me i just like reached out to her and she wanted to work with me so it was like cool to doing that um i also oh, there's a lot of stuff going on also i wrote a script in a week the other week i was just like can i can i write a script in a week um uh with with a friend of mine and it's uh uh we're kind of like shopping that around and trying to get that made as well so yeah okay doing a lot man awesome. doing a lot keep busy awesome. yeah 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 you got your plate full man definitely yeah. <laughs> cool man well jed thanks a lot as I said for for coming along again and stepping into the breach is always a pleasure to have you along as well. and you know it's it's just awesome to shoot a breeze with you man so um yeah, thanks very I mean, much yeah definitely no as i said like it's always an honor coming on uh your shows uh both your shows and uh yeah long may it continue <laughs> oh yeah that. no doubt no doubt listeners will definitely be having jed back um sooner rather than later so um cool. yeah if you're a fan of his watch this space and, and yeah where can people um find some of your stuff and and check you out and see what you're doing you can check me out um find me on twitter i'll probably say what i'm up to there uh that's just at jed shepherd j-e-d-s-h-e-p-h-e-r-d if you want to see me in real life i'm doing a q and a at Fright Fest for uh, Alice Lowe's new film. Um, I didn't, I wasn't involved with the film, but I'm just doing the Q and A. That's on the 23rd of August um, in London Leicester Square in in the View, in the Cineworld Cinema. If you want to see me in person, and besides that, just you know, just just keep listening to this podcast. I'll probably be back on it at some point. 
Yep, awesome, dude. No doubt, no doubt. Um, oh, and Salt is still available for people to view on Vimeo, right? Yeah, go to Vimeo, type in Salt, uh, directed by Rob Savage. So maybe type in Rob Savage's name if you can't find Salt. Uh, and yeah, or go to my Twitter and I think that's, I've saved it. Or go to Rob Savage's Twitter and you'll see it saved in, as his pinned tweet. Um, but yeah, you'll see a two-minute version of the feature that we're about to make. Um, I'm very excited about about cool. that. And because uh, it's massive, it's going to be big. So hmm. yeah. So awesome. and let me know what you think on Twitter when you, when you watch it. <laughs> yes yes do that people um make sure you uh spread the word as well and share it around if you enjoy it let other people see it and you know let people know that it's a, a good thing that the you know these things kind of only take off when you allow them to take off by you know spreading the word so yeah so. make sure you let other people know about it as well all right well we're gonna bring this episode to a close thanks a lot for joining us for session 11 um we will be back next week with session 12 um which will be part one of a two-parter um and we're really looking forward to this one because this one is very very action-packed uh, so we'll leave it here for now and we'll say good night thanks a lot for listening we'll see you again soon peace out Thanks for listening to us. If you're down with Wulong Talks, show some love by following us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Wulong Talks. You can also find us online at www.wulongtalks.com or drop us an email at wulongtalkspodcast at gmail.com. We can also be found as part of the BrickPod Scene Collective and we're also officially E14 endorsed. Search for those hashtags to enjoy more content from us and from other great British podcasters. 